Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What dark deeds unfold on the streets of Arkham? And which unwitting souls, innocent or impure, will succumb to the maddening call? The Call of Cthulhu. Experience the unknowable horror and black comedy of Nerdy Show's Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program, an RPG audio drama. Find it at CthulhuMystery.com or wherever you procure fine podcasts. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to All Caps, a nerdy show aside. Hi, I'm Cap. The going theory behind this show is it's a thing that happens when no other nerdy show episode has been planned for the week, and I dash off to the studio and just make a recording of whatever seems to come to mind. Going theory because we've only done one of these before, and who knows what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I barely know what's going to happen on a day-to-day basis sometimes. Yes, the podcasting world is full of very inexplicable twists and turns. Enough to make sure that it makes me feel like I'm never getting anything done. But hey, you didn't come here to hear me bitch about podcasting. That would be a shitty, shitty show. And we don't make shitty shows here. We make good shows. We make damn good shows. So in this program, I'm going to be talking about the latest stuff that we've been working on, what's new in the world of yours truly, and uh, if you're looking for specifics, I'll talk about the Octo expansion for Splatoon 2, because as the weeks draw on, it's becoming increasingly redundant to talk about that, but uh, I'm having fun with it, and I've been meaning to bring it up on episodes of Nerdy Show in the past, and I haven't yet, so damn it, now's the time, I guess. Between now and the last episode of All Caps, which is also the first episode of All Caps, gosh, it has been a time. The biggest surprise project that both happened and then also subsequently is now released to the public in a very fast turnaround, is the latest episode of Willow Watch, the spinoff show that we do on State of the Empire, the Lucasfilm podcast, where we talk about George Lucas, Ron Howard, and Bob Dolman's 1988 fantasy film, Willow. It started as a joke on State of the Empire of like, hey, Disney bought Lucasfilm. What are they going to do about Willow? Is there going to be a Willow sequel? Ha ha ha. And it's turned into an actually substantial um, factor of our our lives. Every time we make a joke, it snowballs out of control, and then um, it takes over in some kind of profound way. And with Willow, it's been undeniably very fascinating and extremely rewarding, a film that I always love that now I know so very much about. Arguably, outside of the people who made the film, the three of us might know more about Willow than anyone else on the planet. Arguably. I mean, please prove me wrong. (laughs) We have uncovered a great deal about that film, its development, 
the merchandise that spiraled out of it, the expanded universe that spiraled out of it, and in short, because if you've listened to State of the Empire already, you're going to be like, hey, I've heard this, dude. I found a novelization of the film that no one seems to know exists. It's a young reader novelization by a Hugo Award winner named Joan D. Vinge. So there was a regular adult novelization of the film, which any Willow resource will tell you exists. And then there's this other one, made for kids, but obviously written by someone with a degree of high pedigree. And much like the adult novel, it points to things that were written for the film that didn't make it into the final draft of the film. And we've always raised this question of all this Willow content that's like expanded universe content, because there's this thing called the Willow source book that has all this background on all these characters that isn't in the film. You know, where did it come from? And from what research we've done, it comes from the adult novelization. But now that I've read this young adult novelization, it also has a ton of the expanded content that's not in the film. Therefore, they both came from the same source, some early script. And it just so happens that we'd seen screenshots of early scripts on a prop website. And those scripts had pieces of dialogue that are only in these adaptations. So we were like, okay, that must be this draft of the script, maybe. But then I remembered, you know, I have seen a Willow script before, and I'd written it off because it didn't seem to me that it was going to be anything special. But when I was going to college at the University of Central Florida, I spent a lot of time in the library, and I found that they had a number of scripts there, among which was Willow. But I must not have scrutinized this very much, because this script is very different from the final film, extremely early, and actually solves a lot of mysteries of scenes that we'd seen hints of, of strange things in the film. So, yeah, it ended up being what was a first draft, third revision, which is actually the selling script, the script that was used to get financing for the movie. It's full of 10th generation Xerox concept art. It's got crazy stuff in there, like a bunch of elves who steal baby tears to make dewdrops. And these bugs that are like crabs that crawl on the walls of a lava cave and inflate like balloons. And Kale's a cat person. It's pretty wild. So suffice it to say, I scanned that sucker. I read that sucker. And then Doug, Matt, and I did an entire episode about basically everything I just told you in much, much greater detail. So if you're a fan of Willow, long story short... You should check out this episode. It's consumed my life this past weekend, and it's just an example of one of those projects that comes out of nowhere. But it's quite fascinating because using the unique situation of Willow as a film produced by a revered creator that was being set up to be you know, a major motion picture franchise with all of the pomp that one would, say, give the launch of a new Star Wars film back then, but it didn't have that kind of success. It's this rare circumstance that allows you to get a look at this machine and get a greater understanding for how transmedia storytelling is created and also the filmmaking process of a film that we love and are fascinated by the roads you know, not taken. That's always, I mean, that's always something that's captivated me about storytelling is when I hear about a decision that didn't get made and think of all the cascading effects of how things develop. I mean, I'm a writer too. I discard ideas all the time. And doing so is an extremely important facet of telling stories in general. Even in oral traditions, things will inevitably get cut, get lost, get transmuted, and that's part of the story. And there's this nagging thing in me that makes me want to know all of that. As though this stuff that's actually like not necessarily quite important are these really 
juicy and fascinating secrets. I have like a hunger for it, this desire to get the big picture, to get the full understanding of everything. And that's why when I do a lot of interviews with filmmakers and so on, you'll always hear me inevitably ask about motivations around things that got cut or were different. I'm just addicted to that for some reason. And I feel like most of the time the filmmakers are kind of like, I don't know why, I don't remember why I did this. It doesn't matter. It didn't end up in the final product. I'm not losing sleep over it. I'm not one of those creators who's like, no, they butchered my film. And I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm not expecting that. I just know that as a writer, even I go back to my scraps sometimes and raid the garbage bin effectively. It's just one of those things. But this is the nerd obsession that has paid off for me time and time again in my weird little career. So... <laughs> No regrets here. I just recognize that the way that I am inclined to obsess over these things is not necessarily the way that the creators who make it is. And sometimes I get a little bit self-conscious about that of like, I don't want to see too overeager to like peek behind the veil. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I never know. I just want to know everything simultaneously. Is that too much to ask? And yes, it is. Most of the time. But you know what they say, curiosity killed the cap. When it comes to information, if it piques my interest or engages my fascination in any which way, I am inclined to relentlessly pursue it, for better or for worse. Fortunately for me, I'm not in politics. I'm very happy that my investigative journalism is specifically geared towards beloved cult fantasy films and not the high-stress and high-stakes situations involving real, world-shaping journalism, which I very much respect and support, but I'm glad to not be a part of. But then also there's those times where I'm like, but what am I doing with my life? Pop culture is so frivolous and, you know, the world could end someday and then what does it mean? And uh, then I just have to remind myself that, oh yeah, well, I might be front facing with these careers here, you know, as a podcaster, etc., a quote unquote journalist. But really, I mean, the ultimate goal that I'm pursuing is the inclination that I've always had throughout life, which is telling stories, be it through illustration or writing and for the sake of this clearly very personal dialogue that we're having, you and I, that's the goal. That's why Nerdy Show is pivoting so hard towards storytelling stuff like our RPG audio dramas or scripted audio dramas because all indications say that that matters more to the listeners and coincidentally, it also matters more to us and me especially. And I'm the boss. Other things that are afoot, well, I just uh, started some new hormone replacement therapy. I'm a little uncertain of it. There's a thing called progesterone, which is a hormone tied in with the menstrual cycle involved in early stages of pregnancy, and there's lots of reasons people can be prescribed it. But I'm on it to aid my hormone replacement therapy because I've seen a lot of conversations about it and that it can improve, and we're venturing into TMI territory, so uh, I don't know if you care to hear this, but uh, I don't really have any filter. So it improves breast growth, it improves nipple growth in terms of my biologically male physiology becoming more female. I've been doing good on Estradol and Spiro, uh, not the Pokemon, the testosterone suppressant, but we're about six months in and I thought, well, you know, I'm in my mid-30s, I've only got so much adult growth hormone left in me, folks are saying this works, let me give it a whirl, and my physician went ahead and gave it to me as well as increasing my Estradol dosage. And I wasn't really pushing the issue, and I'd done a little bit of reading, but apparently progesterone is a little bit controversial because there haven't been conclusive studies of any kind done. And everyone's like, oh, it just, you know, it works differently for everybody. Anyway, there's lots of conflicting opinions on what, it, what exactly it does. Though for people who are like, oh, no, it's the best, then it's always like if you're taking it in conjunction with estradiol, it's going to maximize the impact of that transformation. And so I'm like, cool, I'm in. But I've only been taking it for a day and learned the hard way that 
I need to take both of those pills at nighttime because it nuked me. I was so exhausted. But also, any pill has an adjustment period. And drought- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And this was a known side effect. Also, like, water retention, eh. So, like, part of me is like, oh, good, encouragement. You can't fall off. You have to fight this water retention. Uh, What am I doing? I can always quit. I can always quit the pill. It's not a problem. And estrogen will do me just fine. I don't know. Basically, anybody have any feelings on progesterone? If you do, let me know. I'd like to think that my doctor wouldn't have allowed me to get it. I wasn't being overly insistent. I was purely being inquisitive. And he said, yeah, sure, go for it. So I don't know. Here we are. And also, I realize that this component of this discussion here is a little bit personal diary-ish and if that's not what you signed up for I'm sorry it's not necessarily what I signed up for either I am somewhat self-conscious about this whole talking out into the void thing but here we are we're doing it anyway I like having a little bit more of, of an objective but I also don't necessarily have the luxury of having the time to plan an episode because if I did then that's what I'd be doing <laughs> and then we'd be having some really cool discussions about other stuff and there'd probably be other people in the room with me and oh look that's a normal episode of nerdy show and it's not all caps oh um hey does anybody like these things i don't know the only person who's been like yeah yeah do more of these is colin c peterson of nerdy show who is a dear sweet boy and hello colin but you know i'm not sure his opinion counts because we're pretty big fans of each other's we've known each other since nursery school so uh, hey speaking of that if we're keeping with the personal diary thing I was talking to Mark with a C the other day, and he was like, you got to tell me. So, like, I know that you and the editor-in-chief of Consequence of Sound, Mike Rothman, go way back. And I know that you and the vast majority of people in Nerdy Show go way back. And you're all, like, really connected. And, and new people come in all the time and get brought into the fold. And then, you know, it's like they've been there the whole time. But what's the deal? Who were you in the social strata of high school? Why are you so connected with your friends from back then? That's not normal. And I'm like shit it isn't he's like no that's like movie stuff that's like stuff that happens in pop culture that is an impossibility in reality no one has lifelong relationships like that and i'm like really does anyone else have this experience does that seem crazy to anybody else that there's a huge constituent of nerdy show and nerdy show affiliated people who've all known each other since high school that didn't even necessarily go to the same high school but are all sort of connected and is that weird when it came to the, the high school social question, there wasn't a clear answer because we were kind of from all over, but the easiest facet was that we were bound together by essentially AV club, except that wasn't what it was. A lot of us were in a broadcast arts magnet program. So student journalism, video making, and I was uh, not there for the journalism. I was there for the film aspect, but uh, 
But here we are, weirdly enough. <laughs> anyway, enough of that. Let's talk Octo Expansion. So the Octo Expansion is a new expansion of Splatoon 2 that came out this summer. And Splatoon is such a pure and beautiful video game. I don't really care much for competitive online multiplayer stuff. I mean, I think Overwatch looks cool. I think they make cool animated videos. I think the character designs are neat. I think it's very unusual and exciting. But when it comes to the actual game, I'm like, eh, I don't really care about this. I care about this as much as I care about Street Fighter, which is to say it looks very neat. I liked the idea of Street Fighter more than the reality of playing Street Fighter. But with Splatoon, it's got this multiplayer combat that's so breezy and engaging, I can't help but love it. And on top of that, the world of Splatoon is really delightfully strange. You're a bunch of squid people in this neat urban environment with these competitive sports surrounding inking. And I don't know where the ink comes from, but I've got a pretty wild imagination. Sometimes you fight octopus people. There's all these different amazing character designs of different sea life like Krusty Sean, a tempura shrimp that sells you stuff out of a food truck, a beautiful sea anemone lady, and the designs are great, the music is great, the world is neat. And I've talked at length about it on Nerdy Show before. But the Octo Expansion is a single-player campaign expansion that really takes all the stuff that I love about Splatoon and makes it even weirder. You play an Octoling, one of the octopus people, who's lost their memory, and you're down in this subway that navigates like the deep ocean strange worlds beyond the surface land that the rest of the game takes place on lost down there also is captain cuttlefish who's a character from the first game he's an old grandpa squid in a tracksuit who busts a pretty decent rhyme from time to time and while you're down there you're navigating all these weird subway stations and each subway station is a different kind of challenge that takes advantage of a lot of the game's really fascinating gameplay that doesn't necessarily have a chance to shine. And so this is like an extreme challenge mode. There are some real tough challenges here, and each station costs to go to. So you got to pay out to enter a station, and that station then gives you a reward and so on and so forth. And as you're doing this, going from station to station, you're growing the map of Metro Stops. You don't necessarily know where it's going to go, and looking for these special objects that are hidden somewhere in the subway system. And I haven't gotten all of them yet, but it's become pretty apparent that I'm assembling a giant blender. And what's freaky about this is that these objects are supposed to like combine to this thing that's gonna take you to what is essentially, I don't know, Valhalla for the Octolings. There's a lot that I don't understand about the culture of Octolings necessarily, but they're painted as the enemy, but they appear to be being mind controlled somehow. And the octopus, and the squid people are for sure, you know, different species, and they have what are essentially holy wars against each other, and there's this seemingly holy relic that's going to take me to a special kind of slurried oblivion if I complete it, and I'm very curious to see where all this is going. It's definitely, in a roundabout way, embracing some very challenging subject matter for an all-ages Nintendo game. Another one of my favorite components to the Octo expansion, aside from the general vibe, because it's very strange and you meet all kinds of weird creatures, it really gives off this super surreal, very, very dreamlike vibe, the entire thing, even the challenges in some respects. Anyway, so eventually make contact with Pearl and Marina, who are the two television hosts that let you know what the competitive gameplay stages are, and they've got their own backstory, which is being developed a great deal through these interactions. They're communicating on chat servers with Captain Cuttlefish and you and sharing chat logs. And these chat logs can actually get quite personal. And you find out that Pearl didn't really realize that 
Marina was an octoling, but they have a really tight bond and she accepts her and they talk about forming their music group and share like weird demos from when they were kids and it feels very real <laughs> even though it's like the most unreal thing it's like this extremely real and very personal and funny slice of story woven into this glorified challenge mode i love it i don't have nearly enough time to play video games but when i do splatoon 2 has shown me a really good time and if you haven't picked up the octo expansion i highly recommend it it's a lot of fun now another thing that happened around the same time as the octo expansion or perhaps simultaneous to the octo expansion was the release of the pearl and marina amiibos and the Splatoon Amiibos, especially for the idol characters Pearl and Marina and Callie and Mari, have been some of the coolest Amiibos they have ever made. Yeah, they're not particularly practical in any kind of video game usefulness. I mean, they do stuff. They give you special items. But really, they're just way cool little figurine statuettes, which typically I don't spend money on as an adult. But it was hard to say no to these things. And Nerdy Show's Jess, who is such a wonderful friend, when she was in Japan last picked me up the Callie and Mari two-pack set. And ever since then, I'd been wanting to do some kind of crazy photo set in tribute of her having picked that up for me. And now I've also got Pearl and Marina. So I finally got around to doing it because what I tend to do in life is I come up with a stupid idea and then either do it immediately or obsess over it and time permitting, see it to fruition. I highly recommend this tactic in life. It seems to work out pretty well. Now, this this is this is a lesser creation for sure. I imagined something a bit more dramatic. But what I did was I posed some photos of all these Splatoon amiibos piled up in a diorama with actual squids. You know, dead ones. I wanted to get bigger ones, but uh, you know, it was it's all about what's available for fresh at the market. And <laughs> I, of course, I didn't want it to go to waste. These are living creatures that are also quite delicious, and uh, I, I would be an asshole if I uh, if I just use them for photography. So I invited my friend Dylan over, and he's the chef behind Bang Rack, the super authentic and way cool Thai pop up restaurant that we've mentioned before on Nerdy Show. And he took all my photography squids and turned them into a delicious squid salad that we shared. So friends are great. Dumb Ideas are great, Splatoon Amiibos are great, and Splatoon is great. I'll link to where you can check out those photos on this episode's page, and I will also wrap it here. I'll say that, as I mentioned last episode, the Aquabats are still in need of righteous comrades, and uh, there's quite a long way to go to that goal of getting even one new episode of Aquabats Super Show as well as a new record. Do check it out and do invest your time and money into that if you can. And speaking of investing time and money, it would behoove me to mention and remind that we are a listener-supported program, and our ability to continue to put out awesome podcasts, including The Orphans, or RPG from Scratch, or Flame On, or Wicked Anime, or Nerdy Show, <laughs> uh, on most occasions except for these, and of course the forthcoming Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program is very much directly affected by our extremely generous fan support, and I cannot thank you enough. If you haven't yet, please do go to patreon.com slash nerdyshow, and even a dollar helps in a big way. As for the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program, be sure to follow it on Facebook, keep an eye peeled on the Nerdy Show Discord. Our Game Master Luke has been doing a lot of socializing via those platforms and has even petitioned people to uh, help propose some fictional Lovecraftian products for us to advertise in the new season, much like how we did with the first season. So do follow along with us and uh, see what uh, bubbles up from the deep. The opening and closing music to this program is Believe in the Dream by The Most. You can find more awesome music by the frontman under his moniker Coach Hop, which we'll link to on this episode's page. Who can say what's happening next? 
but I'm definitely going to go right now because it sounds like there's someone on my roof, and that is not expected. So um, if you don't hear from me again, it was probably a gremlin. Bye. Stare at the moon, unfocus your eyes to see the bright eyes of the moon. Staring back at you, they tell you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.